We live in strange times. If I say that or someone else says that, probably it would prompt us to think about various events that we have seen happening around us, close at hand in our neighborhood or city, or in our country or around the world. I know that many of us have upon our hearts and minds the recent attacks in Paris and in other parts of the world. You can say that we live in strange times. But you could also say that we live in strange times in a different way. Because when we look at the broad sweep of the history of the world and of salvation history and of what God is doing, this current age that we live in is an odd thing. We might have to explain it to see why. This final age, the age of the church that sits in between the first coming of Christ and the second coming. It is, in a sense, a strange thing that no one might have expected until, in fact, Christ opened it. And it is what we live in. And understanding what is happening in God's plan in this age in between can then help us to know how to think about and how to respond to the strange things that we see happening in front of us. We are right now in November. We know that the days are getting colder and darker, the leaves are falling, and we're also coming toward the end of our liturgical year, just two weeks left to go. During this month of November, the church draws our attention to the last things, traditionally a list of four things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And so it is that we began the month by looking to the glory of the saints in heaven and then praying especially for the final purification of all those souls in purgatory. And today, we hear in our gospel reading a section that scholars will sometimes nickname the Little Apocalypse. This is in the middle of Holy Week. Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem, made his triumphal entry already. It's just a matter of days before he gives his life upon the cross and rises from the dead. And in the midst of this, he gives this description to his disciples of things that are coming. It reminds us of the longer description that we hear in parts of the Bible like the book of Revelation, but briefer, and so it's spoken of as the little apocalypse. What we heard was just a part of it. Previous to this, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, Jesus had described other things, including, he says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Nation will rise against nation. There'll be earthquakes, there'll be famines. They will hand you over to courts. You will stand before governors of kings. You'll be hated by all because of my name. He describes tumultuous events, both in human society and even in the natural world, upon the earth and in the heavens. He describes all this. You heard that he said this generation will not pass away. Some of the things he was describing were predictions of what would happen just 40 years later with the destruction of Jerusalem by the Roman Empire in 70 AD that happened within that generation. Some of the things he was talking about would come much later. Indeed, we haven't seen them yet. 
And so it is that we are in this final age of the church. So let's consider this. God's people, under the old covenants, having come to know him and been in relation with him and known how to live and relate to God, came to have the expectation of a new covenant and the coming of a Messiah, a king who would set things right. And some looked forward to the resurrection when the dead would be raised and indeed history would come to an end and there would be a profound transformation in the universe. These were among the expectations that they had. They were right expectations for our Lord Jesus the Messiah did come. And yet we know that he brought with him many surprises. One surprise was that he was God himself, the second person of the Trinity who had taken on human nature and become man. This was beyond what anyone could have expected. Another surprise was that he would, as it were, begin by suffering and dying before he would rise from the dead. Among the surprises was that he would accomplish all of these things, but not all at once. First would come his second coming, when he would accomplish some, but then later would come his second coming, when he would accomplish the rest. Among those who have noted the difference between these two comings was St. Cyril of Jerusalem back in the fourth century, who considered how in the first coming he came in humility, in swaddling crows, in a manger with patience to endure the cross. Whereas in his second coming he will come in glory, surrounded by angels to bring about the transformation of the universe. What a difference between these two comings. Something else that surprised people was that in his first coming, he indeed began the resurrection as he himself rose from the dead. At his second coming, he will raise everyone from the dead. And that will be the end of history. But in the meantime, we have this curious overlap of two realities. The reality of this current world of sin and death, and also the new world of the resurrection, which began in him and whose power he applies to our souls, these two realities existing at the same time. It is a strange time to live in, this age of the church, in between the first coming and the second coming, with the resurrection and the new age already begun, and us already experiencing and living it in parts and yet not brought to its completion. What is he doing? Why does he delay? This is something that the early Christians asked. Seemingly, many of them expected that this this delay would last perhaps only a couple years. They discovered it was lasting a little longer. It has lasted 2,000. But we hear what St. Peter wrote to them. Why does the Lord delay? He writes, he is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This strange time is a time when Christ is accomplishing his purpose. He is building his church. 
or to put it differently, he is accomplishing a spiritual search and rescue mission, seeking person after person, family and nation after family and nation to find all those caught in sin and death and the deceptions of the evil one and rescue us. And each of us has been rescued. And not only to rescue us, but to build us up into saints, strong and free in holiness and love and goodness. This is his project, person by person, group and community by group and community, to accomplish this work for eternity. As we might imagine, the devil is none too happy about his captives being taken from him, his works being destroyed. And so he seeks to fight back. This then is this strange age that we live in. We, whom Christ has called and redeemed, are receiving his grace and being transformed and also bringing it to others. We are living out that command that he gave us. Go to all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. And on the other hand, the devil is carrying out his evil tantrums, seeking to fight, to harm against us, never learning that he cannot defeat God's plan, and that for whatever evil God permits him to accomplish, God will bring greater good. And so it is that our Lord Jesus describes these events. And the book of Revelation describes these events. And the church describes these events. Not in a timeline. But Jesus warned us not to do that. But so that we know what is going on. And so we may draw from this three lessons as we seek to know how to understand and how to live in the midst of these strange times. The first is, don't be surprised. Has he not told us that it would happen? We heard these different difficult events he described would happen. The church and the catechism tells us before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through as a final trial. The church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through this final Passover when she will follow her Lord in his death and resurrection. We know that incredibly difficult things will happen. We know that. But we also know, we have seen, that the Lord brings amazing good even out of evil. The church has long said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. We think about it, that's no surprise, that when we see that amazing love shown in the willingness of the saints to go even to death, that love begins to melt the hardness of our hearts and enkindle faith in them. And you know, I hear reports at times that even now, even because of the terrible deeds of violence caused by some in the name of Islam around the world, other Muslims seeing this 
are looking to Jesus, recognizing his love in a new way, and even beginning to believe secretly in him, an amazing event that apparently is happening in a hidden way. God knows what he is doing. Don't be surprised when these things happen. The second thing is, don't be discouraged. Without knowing these things, and especially for someone who doesn't have faith, it would easily be easy to become discouraged where we try to do something good in the world and it doesn't work, or it works for a, lot, a while and then it falls apart. Someone else might say, ah, oh, what's the use? But we know better. We know, as the Second Vatican Council reminded us 50 years ago, that all that we do in love and obedience for God, whether or not it accomplishes what we intend right here in front of us in our lives, in our society, whether or not it succeeds in eternity. And it is a building up of the kingdom that God is bringing about. It's amazing to think that in a certain sense, in an eternal sense, we cannot fail. We cannot. No act of love and obedience to God fails in the perspective of eternity. So there's no reason not to, there's no reason to be discouraged. The third thing is therefore we are able to live as someone who sees with new eyes. We live in this world and we have to think about things like what to put on the table for dinner, how to meet deadlines in our work or our school, what's going on with the kids or the house, or what to do for retirement. We have to think about all these things. And yet we can also ask, as we think about what God is doing during these strange times, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in the people around me? What do you want to do through me to carry out this spiritual search and rescue mission, to build your church, to build me and others into saints, to see through the appearances of things, and always seek to see and to ask God, what, what are you doing? We live in strange times. But Christ is with us. He's given us everything we need to live now. So don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged. But see with new eyes. Follow him who is the resurrection and the life. And who even now makes all things new.